Well, good morning again, everybody. Good to see you. We are in week number six of our series, Building My Life on the Bible. And uh, we're looking at building our Bible study skills because so many people are unnecessarily intimidated when it comes to studying the Bible. A lot of people, you know, they'll pick up the Bible, they'll start reading it, they'll say, man, I don't understand it, I'm not getting anything out of it, and then they just kind of give up. And so my hope and what I, wanna, what I would love to see is that we come out of this series and every one of us have at least a few more tools under our belt that will give us confidence so that we can pick up God's Word and just give God more opportunities to speak into our lives because that's how our faith is built and I want to see our faith get stronger and our fears and our worries go down. Does that sound good? So... Um, Last week, we studied the four parts of Bible study. The first part of Bible study is called observation. And there we ask the question, what does it say? The second part of Bible study is called interpretation. And we're asking there, what does it mean? The third part of Bible study is correlation. And there we ask the question, what other parts of the Bible ex- or help to explain the part that I'm reading? And then the last part of Bible study is application. And the question there is, what am I going to do about it? Well, today I want to dig into that second part of Bible study a little bit deeper, interpretation. What does it mean? Because, I mean, how many of you know that you can read a part of the Bible and then just kind of misunderstand what it says. Would you agree with that? So we want to learn to avoid that error. And where we're looking today is John chapter 15. If you follow in your notes, and I'll read it here, it says this. Jesus is talking. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples." As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. 
You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. So today we're going to practice interpretation, learning how to dig into a passage of Scripture and see what it means. How many of you have ever had an experience like this? You say to somebody, this is what the Bible says, and then they come back at you and say, well, that's your interpretation. And what they're saying is, you have your interpretation, he has this interpretation, she has this interpretation, and they're all valid. But gang, that's, that's kind of nonsense, because here's the thing. The Bible is truth, God is truth, and truth is truth. So you can't have all these contradictory ideas being true at the same time. Here's the thing. There is one correct interpretation of Scripture. There's one right meaning. Now, there can be a lot of different applications to that, because we're all at different stages of life. Some of us are young. Some of us are old. Some of us are in between. Some of us are married. Some of us are single. And so we're facing different issues in our lives. So we, we, it might apply to us in a different way, but the meaning is the same. So there's one interpretation, but there can be several different applications. Does that make sense? And we want to learn how do we correctly interpret the Bible? How do we um, to come at the right meaning of a Scripture passage? And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Let me give you some principles for correct interpretation of the Bible. The first one is this. You need to understand or consider the historical context. We need to understand the historical context. Now, what I'm saying here is when you pick up a, a passage of Scripture and you read it, you can't just say, what does this say to me? You need to, you need to before you can say, what does this say to me, we need to understand what was going on when that was written. And so we got to ask ourselves some questions like, who was speaking? Who are they talking to? What was going on in the, in the lives of the people back then? What was the situation at that time? How many of you know that you can... Um, Get to, you can take a little bit of a conversation out of context. I mean, haven't we all had an experience sort of like this? We walk into the tail end of a conversation, and someone says, well, my elephant died. And you're like, what? I have no idea what they're talking about. And that's because you only heard part of the conversation. But had you heard the whole thing, then you would be able to understand what they were meaning because you could put it into context. So when we have a little bit of context, that helps us to understand the meaning better. Does that make sense? And that's what we want to do here. So in John 15, Jesus is talking, and he's talking about this thing called fruit. But we need to have some more context. Who is Jesus talking to, and what's going on when he's saying these things? Well, how many of you remember... Um, Maybe when you were growing up, I know when I was growing up, they had these red-letter Bibles, and all the words of Jesus were in red ink. Anybody seen those kind of Bibles? Well, if we had a red ink Bible with us today, what we would find is that this conversation Jesus has in John 15 
Actually, he began it in John chapter 13, and it goes all the way through the end of John chapter 16. So it's a four-chapter long conversation he's having. So why that's important is that means if we can understand what was going on in chapters 13 and chapters 14, we can understand better what's being said here in chapter 15. Does that make sense? Okay, so if we go back to chapter 13, here's what we find out. Jesus is giving a talk, and it's the night before he dies. Now, he knows he's going to die. He tells them he's going to die. And, you know, this is not, he's not speaking to a large audience. We know that Jesus many times spoke to thousands of people. But here, he's talking to his closest, dearest friends, people who have been with him every single day for the past three years. And it's the day before he dies. And so, if you knew that you were going to die tomorrow, who would you want to have around you? And what kind of things would you want to say to them? You see, having that little bit of context there helps us to understand that what Jesus is saying here is really, really important because it's the last little bit of conversation he's having with his followers before he goes to the cross. So, in John 13, we read this. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave the world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God and was returning to God. <clears throat> so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now let's stop there. Let me tell you why this would have blown the minds of the disciples. In those days, everyone wore sandals, except for slaves. In fact, they had a phrase for slaves. They called them the dirty feet people. And, you know, their feet were very dirty. Nobody would ever wash the feet of, a, or the, the feet of slaves because they were considered worthless. That's just the way they thought of them. And yet, guests in a household would always get their feet washed by the slaves. So in this event, what's happening is Jesus, he takes off his outer garment he puts a towel around his waist, he gets down on a knee, and he begins to wash their feet. Now, gang, that's pretty amazing. Think about it. This is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one who made these guys, and he's getting down on his knee, taking the role of a slave, and washing their feet. It's one of the coolest, most humble, most intimate expressions of love that Jesus demonstrated to his followers. And here's what's going on here. Jesus knows that he's leaving and that he's not going to be with them physically a whole lot longer. And so he wants to prepare them for life beyond that. And I didn't put this in your notes, but right after he washed their feet, he said to them, as I've done for you, now I want you to do for each other. I want you to do what I've done for each other. Now, what's he saying? Is he saying to wash each other's feet? No, that wasn't his point. 
I know my wife likes when I rub her feet, but, you know, he's not saying we need to wash each other's feet. He's saying this. He's saying, guys, I'm about to leave, and there's going to be some really tough times ahead of you. There's going to be some difficult days, and I want you guys to stick together. I want you to love each other, and I want you to serve each other. You see, that's the message of chapter 13. Stick together, love each other, serve each other. That's chapter 13. So we have a little bit more context. Then if we go into John chapter 14, in John 14, here's what we learn. He's talking to the same guys. It's still the day before he's going to die. And he says, I'm going to be leaving. And before I do, I want to give you four promises, four things to hold on to, to encourage you. And so the first thing that Jesus tells them, he starts out John 14 saying, that when you leave this world, I want you to know I have a place prepared in heaven for you. That's in verses 1 and 2. Don't let your hearts be troubled. I'm going to prepare a place for you. So I prepared a place in heaven for you. No matter how hard life gets, don't worry, don't fear. I've got a place in heaven for you. The second thing he tells them is that even when I go, you can still talk to me. Now, we call that what? Prayer, right. In John 14, verse 13, Jesus said, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Ask anything in my name and I'll do it, he says. Now, where have we heard that before? We just read that in John chapter 15, didn't we? So when you see something that's repeated like that, that tells you pay attention. This is something important. Okay, so he says two reasons not to worry. I have a place prepared for you in heaven. Two, you can talk to me still, even when I'm gone. And then the third thing he says is I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And God, the Holy Spirit, he's going to live in you. He's going to comfort you, guide you, guard you, help you, protect you, all of that. And then the final thing Jesus tells them is that I'm going to give you peace. No matter how hard life is, in the middle of it, inside of you, I'm going to give you peace through it. John chapter 14 is a great chapter. We could camp out here all day. I love this chapter. I use it in my funerals and stuff. And it's, it's just a great, great chapter to read. But we've got to move on because we're trying to figure out what's going on in chapter 15, right? So John chapter 14, Jesus ends that chapter saying to the guys, he's meeting with them in this room in Jerusalem, and he says, okay, guys, it's time for us to leave. And so they leave that room, and they go to one of Jesus' favorite places to pray, a garden called the Garden of Gethsemane. And so they make, Jerusalem is a little bit elevated, so it's up on a hill, and they leave Jerusalem, they go down this hill into this valley called the Kidron Valley, and then they go back up another little slope into the Garden of Gethsemane. And it's while they're making that walk to the garden that John chapter 15 takes place. Okay? That's important to know because while they're making this walk, they would have passed through grape vineyards. And so Jesus is looking at these beautiful grape vineyards all around. And he's thinking, hey, this would make a great object lesson. He says, guys, see those those." branches and those grapevines. He says, see how those branches are attached to the vine? 
so that they can bear fruit. In the same way, you need to stay attached to me, remain in me, so that you can be fruitful also. So you see, now we have even a little more context here. He says, this is my last conversation with you. I'm going away. I've given you four promises to hold on to. I gave you a lesson on humble service. And now I'm telling you, stay connected to me. Don't lose what we have, and good things will come into your life. So that's the background. And that's the first part of learning to interpret a scripture correctly. We need to understand what was going on back then. Who was talking? What was the situation? What was going on? Are you tracking with me so far? All right, here's the second principle. We have to define the key words. Define the key words. Now, I already told you, if you hear something that's repeated, that says pay attention, okay? Um, How many of you, though, know that a word can have different meanings? Okay, sure. Uh, For instance, last night, my wife and I, we went and saw the Eagles tribute band down in in Gaylord. And uh, the guy was talking about people growing up in the 70s. How many of you either went to high school or college or you grew up in the 70s era? Okay. So if you grew up in the 70s and I say the word trip to you, what what does that bring to mind? (laughs) You see, depending on someone's experience, you can say a word and they may hear it a little differently than someone else. Okay. Did you know that there are 63 different definitions of the word pin, P-I-N? Pin can be that, you know, that little metal thing that you stick into stuff. That's what we mostly think of. But a pin can also be something a wrestler wants to do to their opponent. It can be a bowling pin. It can be the password that you set up for your credit card, like a pin number. So if I were to say pin to you, you would have to wait and get a little bit of context to, to understand what I'm, what I'm wanting to say or what I'm meaning. So we have to get some context, and then we have to define key words. And there's a couple key words in John 15. Jesus uses the word love, and he uses that word nine times. So that would be a key word. The other word he uses a lot and in fact, he uses this one nine times as well, is the word fruit. Now, we kind of have a general understanding of love, so we're not going to deal with that. But fruit might be a little bit more um, confusing for us. So we need to figure out what does he mean by fruit. And what we learn in John 15, what Jesus tells us is this. He tells us that he made us to be fruitful. He tells us that uh, when we're fruitful, it brings glory to God and that it also has something to do with me having complete joy in my life. So, um, that's, that's what we know about fruit, but we still don't know what the fruit really is that he's talking about. And fruit's kind of a difficult word to define because it's used 44 times in the New Testament, and it has 10 different meanings. So we need to try and figure out What is Jesus meaning when he's talking about fruit? And to do this, we come to the third principle of of interpretation, and that is you interpret unclear verses with clear verses. So we don't know really what fruit is yet, 
but there's a lot that's said around it that is very clear. Give you an example. Verse 4, Jesus said this. He said, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So here's one of the first things I would write down. I would write down, bearing fruit is produced by remaining in Christ. Now that's not hard. That's pretty clear. We still don't know what fruit is exactly, but one thing we know is that it happens when we stay connected to Jesus, when we remain in Christ. So that's clear. A second thing that's clear is in verse 8. And there Jesus said this, This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So the second thing I would write down that's clear is that bearing fruit brings glory to God. Okay? We still don't know what fruit is, but we know that it happens when we're connected to Jesus, when we remain in him, and we know that it brings glory to God. The third thing that's clear is in verse 11. Jesus says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So the third thing I'd write down is that bearing fruit gives me complete joy. Bearing fruit, whatever it is, happens when I remain in Christ. When I am fruitful, it brings glory to God, and that brings joy into my life. So now I'm interested because I don't want to miss out on joy. Okay, so we have some clear things here about fruit that are going to help us to understand the unclear. We keep digging. And here's the fourth principle for interpreting the Bible. Look for obvious meanings. Look for obvious meanings. Now, that's not what most people do. You see, here's what most people do. Somehow we have a whole culture that has been led to believe that there's all these secret hidden meanings in the Bible, like these secret codes in the Bible. And some of you are probably going, Chris, I know that's true. I saw it on the Discovery Channel. <laughs> well, listen, here's the truth. The Bible was not given to us to conceal things. The Bible was given to us to reveal. God doesn't give us the Bible so that he can hide behind it. God wants us to know him. God wants us to find him. And so a lot of people, when they read the Bible, they're like, I just want to find something deep. I want to find some kind of a secret or mysterious type of thing. Listen, God doesn't play games with us like that. God gave you the Bible as his love letter to you. Now, can you imagine you write a love letter to someone you love in code and it's kind of like, hey, baby, there's some really neat stuff in here if you can figure it out. You know, they'd be like, forget you. When you write a love letter, you want it to be clear, you want it to be simple, and you want it to be heartfelt. And God is the same way. He didn't give you his word to confuse you or to hide himself from you. He wants you to know him. As a matter of fact, if I or anybody ever comes to you and they say, hey, I just found something in the Bible that no one else has ever seen, you know what you can know immediately? You can know they're wrong. Because that's just, there's a saying, if it's true, 
it's not new. And if it's new, it's not true. So if somebody says, hey, I see something in the Bible nobody else has ever seen, you know it's false, okay? Now, um, there's not these secret codes. God's not trying to hide himself, no matter what the Discovery Channel might say, all right? So I'm diverging a little bit, but let's get back to this. In verse 7, Jesus said this. He said, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, Jesus just told us that bearing fruit happens when we remain in him. And now here he's saying it also has something to do with prayer. So the, the thing I would write down here is this. Remaining in Christ produces answered prayer. Now, we know that remaining in Christ produces fruit, and now we see it produces answered prayer. Could there be a connection? Still don't know yet. And you might say, well, Chris, you know, I've asked God for a lot of things that I didn't get. So let me say this. Beyond your wish is your true desire. And that's what God responds to. God responds to the deeper issues, the deeper desires of your heart. Um, give you an example. Maybe you say, hey, I want a new car. And uh, the truth is, you want the freedom, you want the independence that a car could give you. Maybe, you know, there's a job that's a ways away, and you think, if I had a reliable, good car, I could take that job and provide for my family a whole lot better. And so the real desire is to take care of your family, and that's what God's going to respond to. Sometimes we ask for things, and we don't even know why we're asking or why we need them, but God does. And here's the thing. God will never give you something worse than what you ask for. God will always give you something better. So take that example. You know, maybe you say, well, I didn't get the car. But God provides another way for you to take care of your family because he's responding to that deeper issue, that deeper true desire and need in your life. And God always deals with the deeper issue, not the shallow wishes that we have. Okay? So remaining in Christ produces answered prayer. A second thing is found back in John chapter 14, verse 13, where Jesus said, I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Here's the second thing we learn. Answered prayer brings glory to God. Hmm. I'm seeing a pattern here. Remaining in Christ produces fruit. Remaining in Christ produces answered prayer. Answered prayer, or bearing fruit, brings glory to God, and answered prayer brings glory to God. Do you see that sequence here? So I ask, God answers, and that the answered prayer brings glory and honor to God, and guess what? Answered prayer also brings joy to my life. Could it be that Jesus is saying the same thing in two different ways. You see, the third thing I would write down here is answered prayer gives me complete joy. Answered prayer gives me complete joy. Do you know that 20 times in the New Testament, God commands us 
to ask him? 20 times. Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. James says, you do not have because you do not ask, right? So Jesus, in his final words to his disciples, here's what he's saying to them. He's saying, guys, more than anything, I want you to ask me because I want to give to you. And when I give to you, God is going to get the credit and the honor and the glory for it. And your joy is going to become full. You're going to have greater joy in your life. So bearing fruit is produced by remaining in Christ. Answered prayer is produced by remaining in Christ. Fruitfulness brings glory to God. Answered prayer brings glory to God. And, and that brings us joy. Fruitfulness and answered prayer brings joy into our lives. And just in case we miss that connection, one last time in John chapter 15, verse 16, you might have to go back to your thing on John and to take a look at this. Jesus said this. He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And we're all thinking, okay, what is it? What is this fruit? And Jesus says, it's prayer. Notice, he says, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Now listen, let's bring it all together here. We've taken a look at the context. We've looked at the key words. We've looked at clear verses to understand unclear and obvious meanings and all of that. Here is the interpretation of this message. Prayer is at the root of all fruit. Prayer is at the root of all fruit. Say it with me. Prayer is at the root of all fruit. Every other virtue in life comes through prayer. Everything that God wants to do in your life comes through prayer. Prayer brings answers. Answered prayer brings glory to God. And God getting glory and my prayers being answered brings joy into my life. So, listen, it would be easy for us to leave here today and go, wow, prayer must really be important. But gang, that would be the wrong place for us to end. Because as we said last week, you always have to end with that application step. What am I going to do about it? How am I going to respond to this message on prayer? this message on asking God. Because, you see, I'll tell you what the problem is. People in churches all across this country, they will listen to pastors teach, and yet they have no real intention of actually going out and doing anything about what they just heard. And that's why I make no apologies in saying that Joy Community Church is a Bible application church. We design these messages to challenge you, to say, hey, what am I going to do about this now? How am I going to respond to this? Not, it's not just Bible knowledge. Why not? Because I love you too much for that. You see, could you go to other churches and find other pastors or teachers that are smarter than me? Absolutely. I'm not a very smart guy. There's a lot of guys out there, they teach you a whole lot more about the Bible than I ever could. But gang, it's not about Bible knowledge. I can promise you this. 
you will not come here and leave here without being challenged to consider how do I put this into action? What am I going to do about this in my life? See, my goal is not for us to have big heads and big butts. My goal is for us to have big hearts where we hear God's word and we say, and we let God change our lives through it. We say, you know, how is my life going to change as a result of what I've just heard today? So this is a message on asking, on prayer. So I want somewhere in your notes for you to write this down, okay? These are going to be your action steps. Somewhere in there, write maybe this. This is what I need and am going to pray about in my life. This is what I need and am going to pray about in my life. Or maybe you could say it this way. This is where I need more fruit in my life. If your life is a tree, what parts of your life, what areas of your life do you not see a whole lot happening? It might be a relationship. It might be your finances. It might be your health. It might be something at work. But where do you need to pray so that fruitfulness will happen in that area of your life? And that would be your action step. I want us to read all together Matthew chapter 7, 24. Jesus says this, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Do what you learn, and the result will be fruitfulness. And that's my desire for you. So, let's bow our heads for prayer. Jesus, we thank you that you love us so much. Thank you that you created us to bear fruit, and that you don't want our lives and our relationships to be like dead trees. Thank you that you created prayer so that we can have fruit. The idea that we can talk to you and the fact that you, the creator of the world, would want to listen and answer our prayers, God, that's just astounding. Thank you that you want us to be filled with joy. And please, God, forgive us for our prayerlessness. Forgive us for not praying more. And thank you for the tremendous resource of prayer. Lord, I pray for a church filled with fruit bearers, men and women who are bearing fruit in their work, in their lives, in their families, in this church, and in this community. So, Lord, help us to pray more that we might see more fruit in our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.